from Sad Shires, a podcast audio drama by Clive Stubbings, to mark the centenary of the burial of the unknown warrior at Westminster Abbey. Hello, and welcome to Inside from Sad Shires, part two. Come with us as we explore inside the making of our audio drama and the historical event that inspired the podcast. I'm Rebecca Little, one of the three co-artistic directors of theatre company Little Pixie Productions. We normally create and tour theatre, taking it out to local communities, something which has proven rather difficult due to the live performing restrictions surrounding COVID-19. This podcast is the result of our response to the restrictions imposed during the pandemic, creating a piece of new work but sharing it with an audience digitally instead of through live performance. Our audio drama was recorded remotely by the actors involved using whatever equipment they had available. To read accessible transcripts of our podcast, visit our website at www.littlepixieproductions.co.uk. In this episode, I'm going to talk to three of the actors from our audio drama, From Sad Shires, Darren Johnson, Jeremy Stroyer and Michelle Grant. Darren, Jeremy, Michelle and myself have all performed in the musical genre over the years and it's something very close to our hearts. I'm going to talk to Darren and Jeremy about musical comedy and comedians as they played our two musical comedians within the play. And I'm going to talk to Michelle about the genre of the musical songs that we used within our audio drama also. So um, I'll talk to you, Darren, first. Have you ha- are there any famous double acts that have influenced you over the years? All through my uh, childhood, I was influenced by the likes of Morecambe and Wise and Cannon and Ball. Uh, and my dad was actually in a, in a double act in the clubs many years ago called Bone and Idol. So it's, it's, almost in my, uh, it's almost in my DNA, really. But in the context of the musical, what I think is fascinating is that the, the chairman's always there, is this ever-present person who could be a straight man for any comic that was on stage. And, you know, the, the chairman will have seen so many acts go across the boards and we'll know the jokes, we'll know the uh, the, the punchlines, we'll, we'll know how to set up a gag. And so I think that's something that Jeremy and I have sort of developed over the past, how, how many years did we say it is, that we've been touring our musical. So, it was, you know, at the start, we were like rabbits in the headlights, <laughs> uh, doing this old, old material. But we soon learned that the audience knew the punchlines and we had to... You know, we had to uh, find out where the pacing was, where the pauses were, and also the banter between the chairman and I. That we we have um, we have a, a running gag in the musical <laughs> that we still <laughs> that we still have to rehearse. It's the simplest gag in the world. It's the uh, do you know what the uh, do you know what the girl said to the sailor, and we still have to rehearse it before we go on. <laughs> Jeremy, um, have you got any major influences? Any double acts that have influenced you? Because I'm about three centuries older than Darren, I go back to black and white movies and silent pictures. Um, people like Buster Keaton, of course, Lauren Hardy, um, all of those, because they, they were just, they could do things without words. And I think that's as important sometimes as actually having the scripts, of course, and all those things. But they're to get a laugh on nothing at times, and you think it's nothing. So that's where my influence has come from. Of course, people like Les Dawson, Ken Dodd, um, Cannon and Ball, like Darren saying, just amazing, amazing. And musical and variety were very um, 
seen as very dodgy places to work and they're very um, risque a lot of the time, right on the edge. Um, because the crowds often were absolutely paralytic. They'd been drinking all day. They were sat down throwing things, you know. And so the comics and the people had to survive. And the only way to survive was to make them laugh and to see some of the old footage and some of the old films of, of how they did it. Because we're very lucky. We have some of the old musical acts on film. And it's wonderful to watch. So in our drama, obviously, um, Clive Stubbings, who wrote the script, um, he scripted... Uh, well, he scripted the whole play and he scripted a, a good proportion of the music hall patter that we hear your characters so, uh, talking in, in the drama. Sometimes you're sort of in the background while some of the other characters have, have a conversation. But a part of it, he said to me to, to tell you, to ask you as the director, he said, I'd, I'd really don't mind if Jeremy and Darren riff, riff a bit on what I've written, ad lib, um, which you both did. You, you, um, it's, it's now there in the transcript that's available, but some of those uh, words that have been transcribed, they, they weren't, weren't what uh, Clive Stubbings had written. It was, it was just material that you two came out with on the day of the recording as a double act. We've worked together on and off, and I think that's what it's, it's that um, time we spent together, both on and off stage, that makes us be able to do what we do, and, and I think that's how it works best. Yeah, comedy is a difficult thing to write down, uh, and I think it, we we found over the years that you will say something one day. I'll never forget when the, uh, the, the, the punchline for the gag that we've done all these years about the... Um, the, the guy that goes looking for the famous echoing cave of wherever it was. And at one of the performances, you ad-libbed a, a double whammy punchline, and it was amazing. And Becky and I were backstage killing ourselves laughing. And then you came off stage and we said, what did you say? What what was it that you said? And none of us could remember. And it was infuriating that we hadn't actually written it down. And it took about another year or so before you actually said it you know it came to you in the moment again and you said it and you said this two uh lines and you said you said um you weren't expecting that were you no neither was he and so you got two laughs for the price of one and when you when you have something like that in the bank you're silly not to use it really but just to write it down it, it doesn't look like anything so so although Clive did a brilliant job of writing down what you know a bit of patter between a couple of musical comics uh, you can't beat the the the, um, the real life experience of a, of, of a couple of um, musical comics, I suppose. I'm talking to Michelle Grant, who played the role of my sister Elsie in our audio drama From Sad Shires. Michelle is also the director of music hall shows for the Players Music Hall Company. Our first professional theatre job was appearing together at the Players Theatre in Villiers Street, London. So who better to talk to than Michelle about our music hall theme and some of the songs that are referenced throughout our audio drama. I mean, music hall songs sort of evolved from the traditional folk song. Um, and that was really in the bars and the public houses. But then, as this became really popular, they actually built purpose-built music halls. That was kind of in the mid-19th century. And then there was a demand for like new, catchy, popular songs. 
And that's how the real musical songs that we know and love today, they were sort of created for these purpose-built musicals. I mean, there is, there's a few still around, but the one that comes to the top of my mind at the moment is Wilton's in East London. That was uh, built especially for musical and it's still there today. And they put on other sort of plays, sometimes musical, but music music plays or, you know, um, anything really there now. But it's a lovely old traditional musical building. Um, you know, and, and the melodies that they would sing, they always had like verses and then a chorus. And the performer would just sing the verses, but the chorus was sung by everybody. And the audiences would all be encouraged to sing along. And, you know, in that day and age, obviously they didn't have any television, they didn't have any radio. So that was their only form of entertainment. And they would look forward to that every single week. It was their place to go, their place to, in interact with other people um, and the songs were always like they were just the choruses anyway were always things that people would remember and catchy and carry on singing even probably during the week when they got home but the songs were either romantic or patriotic or humorous or sentimental it could be anything really and um you know, actually, by the late 19th century, some of the songs actually started to become associated with particular singers. And they, those singers would have contracts with the songwriter. So like in your um, play, The Boy I Love is up in the gallery, which is obviously mentioned. Um, and that was, that's very heavily associated with Mary Lloyd, who most people in this day and age still remember, well, still know of. Um, but it was actually written in 1885 for um, a musical artiste called Nellie Power, and it was written by George Ware. But it is really Mary Lloyd that people remember singing it. That song's quite unusual as well, isn't it, in the fact that um, a lot of musical songs, they tell a story, the verses always tell a story, um, and they're about something or somebody. I guess that song's unusual in the fact that it actually takes place in the location, i.e. the theatre, the musical, where the singers is uh, singing the song because the words are all about being sung to the boy that she loves up in the gallery <laughs> or up in the cheap seats. <laughs> oh, another song, which is one of my favourites, actually, that's in your play, um, is Daisy Daisy. Obviously, when he sings it, he's singing Maisie, Maisie. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows it, don't they? Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. Um, but um, Harry in the play is, uh, yeah, he's obviously singing to Maisie, played by yourself. So he sings Maisie, Maisie. And it's such a lovely part of the play. I love that bit. Um, I mean, actually, here's a little, little bit of a story for you. The actual song was inspired by Daisy Greville, who was the Countess of Warwick. And she was one of the many mistresses of King Edward VII. And the writer of the song, he was charged import duty on his bicycle that he took to the United States. And a friend of his remarked, oh, it's lucky you didn't bring a bicycle built for two, otherwise you'd have to pay a double the duty. So um, he, uh, he then loved that phrase so much, he thought, oh, 
I will write that in a song. So that's where it comes from. So we mentioned that some of the songs could be sentimental, they could be love songs, they could be topical, and they could be patriotic. Um, and especially around, of course, World War One, which our drama from Sudshires is set around World War One, and uh, compositions of the songs in the musicals, such as "It's a Long Way to Tipperary," which we reference in our uh, play. Um, also became popular um, as marching songs and as songs in the trenches among the soldiers in the First World War. Um, but it's interesting because that song, It's a Long Way to Tipperary, it, rather than it being warlike to stir the soldiers into battle, apparently the song was originally written as a, as a lament from an Irish worker in London who was missing his homeland. So that particular song became a song for the soldiers about longing for the home that they were away from. Another song in From Sad Shires that they mention is We Don't Want To Lose You. And that was the reason that Harry signed up to actually go and fight in the war. This was sung by Vesta Tilly, who is, you know, still famous to this day. Uh, one of her other famous songs that most people have heard of is Burlington Bertie. But um, yeah, she was the reason that so many young men would uh, sign up and go and fight for their country and a uh, very important part of history. From Sad Shires, a podcast audio drama by Clive Stubbings. Follow or subscribe on your usual podcast platform of choice.